0: It's official. 60 Minutes has now joined the propaganda machine for supporting the Ukraine war. For this episode, we're going to cover the interview by Scott Pelley of President Vladimir Zelensky of the Ukraine. And I'm going to discuss sort of three different things that came up during that interview. And I'm going to continue to question the underlying premises of our support, the United States support for Ukraine. But most troublingly, the mind-blowing incompetence of institutions like 60 Minutes and the New York Times because they are not doing their job during this critical juncture in the history of the world. But fear not, my friends, the Rockney cast will be here to guide and aid you as you make up your own mind on our own government's propaganda machine and the mainstream media's complicity and not questioning any of the narratives of the mind-blowingly incompetent policy of the United States vis-a-vis the Ukraine. For this episode, we are going to cover Scott Pelley's award-winning journalist of 60 Minutes interview of Vladimir Zelensky. So why is this important as a topic? First off, there seemingly still is no critical analysis of the Ukraine war. Other than a few candles in the wind, correct me if I'm wrong, but the only people questioning the narrative of the Ukraine war are people like Donald J. Trump and Tucker Carlson. Setting aside those candles in the wind and maybe Marjorie Taylor Greene, the the, the mainstream media, places like the New York Times, 60 Minutes, are virtually doing no fact-finding in relation to the Ukraine war. They're not questioning any of the underlying assumptions of the Ukraine war. And you need to look no further than Scott Pelley's interview of Vladimir Zelensky. Because if you watch this interview, and this is freely available on YouTube or the internet, you can even see a transcript, just go to Google and look at the questions that Scott Pelley asked. I think it's better to... Uh, actually watch the 60 Minutes interview because you can see Scott Pelley gets teary-eyed. He he nearly breaks down several times during the interview, and the interview consists of one series of, of softball questions over and over and over. People, the 60 Minutes have fallen on low times. If you go to work for 60 Minutes, you are part of a propaganda machine in my humble opinion, because my understanding of journalists and journalism is that you're supposed to report facts. If you're an investigative journalist, you're supposed to ask tough questions. And in this particular interview of Vladimir Zelensky, there were virtually no tough questions, no demonstration of facts. Instead, it was virtually sheer propaganda and could not have done, been done any more effectively had it been done by Joe Biden's State Department. Friends, this is not Walter Cronkite in 1968 questioning whether we can win the Vietnam War. Friends, it's clear to me that we have reached a stalemate. This is definitely not that kind. Instead, we have a lot of very weak-minded people that are not asking any questions or even reporting the news and instead aiding and abetting the complicity of the United States in the mass slaughter of both the Ukraine and the Russians. And you look need no further. And so for this episode, we're going to actually cover this interview, including various times during the interview when 60 Minutes missed obvious opportunities and obvious facts to point out to provide context. But fear not, Rock Nicole, Trained in the Midwest, living in a small town will help you sort through the complexities of this interview. So let's start off with the beginning of the interview. And here I'm reading from the transcript prepared by Scott Pelley, award-winning journalist. Here's what they basically say. We met President Zelensky as he prepared to depart Kiev for the United States. It's a critical time. U.S. officials tell us that over nearly 600 days... About a half a million troops have been killed or wounded, both sides altogether part of the cost. So far, part of Vladimir Putin's unprovoked invasion, we spoke to Zelensky on Thursday, and he told us that people are dying every day to prevent World War III. So class, let's go through this little analysis here. So the term unprovoked that would be a factual claim laden with value judgments. Now, in, in that term, unprovoked, at least in terms of this interview, and they could have easily made this the Ukraine episode, the United States, in terms of whether it was provoked, 60 Minutes provided no detail about the behavior of NATO over the last 30 years following the collapse of the Soviet Union. Let me remind you, NATO expanded not only to ex-Soviet satellite states, it also expanded into, like Czechoslovakia, Slovakia, these sorts of things, it actually expanded into states that were previously part of the Soviet Union, Lithuania, Estonia, and Latvia. It was also on the path to expand into Ukraine, which was right on the border of Russia. It clearly was on that path, and it had done so during a series of interventions, including the 2014 election, when you had the United States ambassador to Ukraine openly calling for regime change under the name of democracy. And none of that context was provided. And it's if, you know, the mainstream media, New York Times, 60 Minutes, it's as if they're saying that it's there's no reason whatsoever for Vladimir Putin to get a little nervous, given the fact that he has a military alliance right on his border. Now, many of you may say, Don't worry about it. We're peace-loving people. We here in the West, we are peace-loving. And yet 60 Minutes provides no detail about previous recent interventions and the costs and chaos that result from NATO interventions in these countries. Exhibit A, 2011, Hillary Clinton and her buddies ordered a NATO airstrikes on Libya resulting in the fall of more Gaddafi, and mass slaughter uh, by various factions within Libya, including ISIS. They very nearly took over large sections of Libya. Mass beheadings, mass slavery. There's a little bit of stability in the Eastern part. It, it's basically ruled by a strongman, total chaos. I, don't, I think if you were to take a poll, Libya before the intervention and Libya after, I think every single Libyan would probably say, yeah, at least I like the stability better than getting beheaded. Way, way better. That's a NATO intervention. Hostile act. Look no further than the Iraq war. Now, this wasn't, as far as I can tell, a NATO intervention, but it was an intervention by the leading member of NATO. And other members of NATO, including Spain, including the United States of America, including Great Britain, and that also resulted in total chaos and nearly destruction of the entire country and a sudden pullout. There's, I don't know what the actual military footprint still is, but it's not nearly where it was, mass chaos, mass suffering, all under the guise of neocolonialism on behalf of the United States, not mentioned at all. Look at Syria. There were various attempts to get that puppy unraveled and maybe intervene and do a no-fly zone in Syria. Same thing, mass chaos. Now, that wasn't a formal NATO intervention, but it was something in which it was seriously contemplated, and that country fell nearly into total chaos as a result of the uprising on behalf of ISIS inspired elements. Another NATO intervention, which I support, with the Afghanistan, which to me is, is a intervention worth supporting. 20 years, sudden pull out, and all of the allies that we had said that we would support were like, sorry, we're leaving, go fuck yourself. We said that we would promise to stay to defend you, mind you, on a country that actually did aid an event the attack the United States, and just left them unprotected. So none of this is mentioned in terms of unprovoked, in terms of the need to have a buffer state between Russia and NATO in terms of a military intervention. Unprovoked, is it? Are we seriously saying, friends, look at what happened in the Cuban Missile Crisis? In 1962, October of 1962, Russia planted offensive nuclear weapon missiles on Cuban soil. That freaked the shit out of the United States. And we were about ready to actively intervene to attack Cuba. That was one of the options recommended by guys like Curtis LeMay. And so the United States... And in fact, the United States, remember when you were like in elementary school and you learned your first foreign policy doctrine, the Monroe Doctrine, which basically says, and as far as I can tell, we've never officially revoked it, any European power, if they're talking about getting involved in the Americas, the Monroe Doctrine tells them to go fuck themselves and to back the fuck off. That is has been the official United States policy since Monroe, since the 1820s at least. And so this notion that the Soviet, or in this case, Russia, can't try to get a uh, a buffer between it and potentially hostile states, and that it's totally unprovoked, that NATO had no reason, no tough, tough questions have ever been positive in relation to that. And need, need I remind you, yeah, I'm going there, and it's going to be fair. I'm going there to World War II. Russia was the victim of an unprovoked assault on its territory, and so was Ukraine, by the way. The Soviet Union lost 25 million killed during that war, and that was within the time of most of your grandpa and great-grandpa's Lifetime that is not mentioned. Now, a lot of you would say, like, oh, that's totally irrelevant. I can't believe you're going to World War II. Well, look no further than the Vladimir Zelensky interview in which he goes there. So this is the quote from Polensky or a question. So so Mr. Pelly asked Mr. Zelensky. The United States has already thrown 70 billion bones on the table, and Congress right now is considering another $24 billion in support of the Ukrainian war effort. Pelley says, and I quote, the United States has contributed about $70 billion to your war effort, and I wonder if you expect that level of support to continue. And here's what Vladimir Zelensky replied. The United States is supporting Ukraine financially, and I'm grateful for this. I think they're not only supporting Ukraine alone. This is Zelensky talking. If Ukraine falls, Putin will surely go further. What will the United States of America do when when Putin reaches the Baltic states? When he reaches the Polish border, he will. This is a lot of money. We have a lot of gratitude. What else Ukraine can do for a huge gratitude? We are dying every day. And then Pelly says, Well, what can it take, another 70 billion? And he says, Well, he goes here. He says, We can't change Putin. Russian society has lost the respect of the world. They elected him and reelected him and raised a second Hitler. They did this. We cannot go in time, but we can stop it right there. So, yeah, that is, and, and he's saying that Putin could cause a World War III. So let's go through this little statement that Vladimir made and the total lack of questioning on behalf of Scott Pelley, one softball after another. He says, if Ukraine falls, Putin will surely go further. Wouldn't a natural follow-up question from an experienced journalist, an Emmy award-winning journalist, Say, what evidence, what public statements do you have? What internal communiques do you have stating that Putin will go to the Polish border? He may, he may not. If you look at their actual actions, it's clear they're they're, they're trying to, to shore up the Russian-speaking portion in which the vast majority of Russian speakers live in the Ukraine. The eastern sections, look at their actions. They are digging in, and they would get peace in a second. If you were to concede that particular territory, no, nope, no, nope, no question asked at all. And then he goes and he talks about World War II. So in law, we have this. This is my day job. We have a concept called invited error, which is if you if you make a legal mistake or you have objectionable questioning, even if the United States or any other party makes a, another error in responding to that, you kind of open the door to that. You open the door to this comparison. So in terms of the whole World War II thing, okay, that's fair. If we're claiming that Russia is going to attack Western Europe unprovoked, and they're just going to try to roll the tanks into Western Europe, based upon the precedent of World War II, or the other phrase I like is, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. If you're going there, It's the obvious response that over the last 300 years, there has never been an unprovoked attack by Russia to the West. It doesn't exist. Obviously, the Soviet Union was actively involved in Eastern Europe after the fall of World War II, but that followed that little fact of the unprovoked attack by Germany in relation to the Soviet Union, and they lost 25 million men. 25 mil at least. And so if you're going to use World War II and you're a journalist and you're citing that as precedent, then it is certainly fair to point out that Russia has never attacked in the last three, two hundred years. Napoleon attacked Russia. Hitler attacked Russia. The Axis powers attacked Russia. They have defended the contiguous states that surround its empire, but they have not done that. Again, I'm not defending Russia here. I'm just saying, if you're going to the Hitler analogy, it's fair to point out that Hitler was the one that attacked Russia, and he rose out of the incompetency of the left-leaning liberal governments within Western Europe. And he rose very quickly, he rose very suddenly, and he rose at a time when no one would have predicted that Germany would be attacking Russia. I think if you were to go back into 1932 and ask all of the best experts in the world whether there was any realistic probability that within 10 years, Germany would be attacking the Soviet Union Everyone would have thought you were insane. You would have been committed. They would have been like, oh, my God, put this guy in, like, you know, Carl Jung's Institute for Psychiatric Reform. Yeah, no one would have thought that. And yet it arose suddenly. It was completely unprovoked. And it did happen historically. So to say that this is just all a vanity project by Vladimir Putin is just factually inaccurate. The other thing that we have here, one of the things that Ronald Reagan did following the collapse of the Cold War, as well as George Bush Sr., he didn't humiliate his opponent. So we have a situation where Ukraine was part of the Soviet Union. A lot of the deals that were done, for example, to remind our viewers, Stalin gave Crimea to Ukraine in the early 50s, kind of as just a little cherry, but it was all part of the same nation state. And so that previously was part of the Russian Empire, and it was trans- and at the time the Soviet states, it was pretty much same dip. There wasn't much autonomy from Moscow at that time. Pelly doesn't bring that up. So these are all the, the questions that could, if it was a hard-hitting interview, it, it you would get these sorts of questions. Instead, Pelly raises virtually none of these issues. To remind Vladimir Zelensky that nearly 25 million. Men had died during the so, and men, women, and they were starved, they were beaten, they were executed, they were murdered. And that was the Western powers. Now, again, if you're raising on the one hand World War II as your precedent, you're inviting the obvious rejoinder to that from the Soviet Union. Pelly doesn't do that. And I think just demonstrates the exceedingly low. This guy won an Emmy. I, I, I don't know how. He seems like a nice guy. But if you watch the interview, Pally nearly breaks out in tears at various times during the interview. I mean, all he needed to do was pretty much reach out and give the guy a hand job. He was so into Zelensky. This is not journalism. You have to ask hard-hitting questions. And this was not done. It was a, a breach of journalistic ethics. Okay. So I've made my point relating to not providing context as to the inevitable rejoinder with the first statement, unprovoked, which is a lie. There were certain elements of provocation right on the border, and that's a complete lie to say it was totally unprovoked, this war in the Ukraine. Am I supporting Vladimir Putin? No, I am not. But to say that no rational person in his decision, in his shoes, even if it were someone else, would make the same decision just is factually inaccurate now if you go along the border of Mexico and you had Russia right now building an airstrip with a lot of planes right in Ciudad Juárez do we seriously think the United States would well maybe Biden would by Biden by I, I don't know Biden's so bought off I I have no idea and if you vote for Biden I don't know what to think of you because I'm serious say we wouldn't attack. Okay. So I think I've made that point. It was not a hard hitting. it, it, It wasn't a hard hitting interview. So let's talk about an out and out lie. Okay. So this is the lie that Biden has done to the American people and Anthony Blinken. And Zelensky makes it just in plain sight in front of Pelly, and Pelly just lets it go. It's an obvious lie so let's talk about the drone strikes biden and blinken and all of the people in charge of policy have all promised us that no weapons would ever be used in relation to offensive strikes against the soviet union soviet i, keep, I swear in the past 1989 into russia that's been the promise so Pelley asked him about the recent drone strikes in Moscow. So this is a situation where the interview starts with Zelensky saying, this could be World War III, okay? That's what he's saying. This could be World War III, and that's why you need to give us a blank check in the Ukraine. Literally on the next series of questions, Pelly asked him about the drone strikes that are occurring in Russia in Moscow, and one of which hit the Kremlin. And Pelly asked him, he said, and I quote, the drone strikes in Russia are being done on your orders? Zelensky, Tramp, Zelensky responded, no. Peli asked a follow-up, not on your orders? Well, you know, and if you watch the uh, interview, he smirks and essentially laughs. He's just brazenly lying here. Pelly says, how is it happening? If, if if Zelensky's not ordering the drone strike, someone within Ukraine is ordering the drone strikes. And so they have, they either he's a serial liar, or he is uh, doesn't have control over the weapons that are supplied. And then he lies again. He says, You know that we don't shoot at the territory of the Russian Federation. We decided, and so then they did try to do a, a little bit, what message it does it being sent with the drone strikes in russia and here then he explains um and he basically says they aren't then he explains why these drone strikes are being done in a great level of detail he says well then he actually provides the explanation you don't know we you do know that we use our partners weapons on the territory of ukraine only which is a lie and this this is true which is another lie but these are not punitive operations such as they carry out killing civilians but russia needs to know that whatever it is whatever PLA's they use for launching missiles to strike ukraine ukraine has every moral right to send a response to those places we're responding to them saying your sky is not as well protected as you think killing civilians okay so if you're launching drone strikes into a skyscraper in moscow are those just all occupied by military personnel kremlin is that considered military or is that considered civilian? That, that, that's a factual claim, which is a lie. If you're lobbying bombs into Moscow, which is what these are, these are bombs that are sent via drone, these are a lie. No follow-up question whatsoever. No analysis, no critique. Would an experienced journal journalist that had the smallest amount of confidence respond? Well, you have sent... Mr. Zelensky, are you saying that you did not order these strikes? Yes. Yet you provide an explanation? Yes. How is it that you know why they're being done if you're not ordering them to be done? Who is ordering these strikes? Anyone in the Uter- Ukrainian chain of command? And if you're saying that no civilians are being killed, who's occupying the, the skyscrapers? And then he also says, none of these are partners' weapons. Well, well that that kind of invites another obvious question okay so if you're not ordering these strikes you have no knowledge of these strikes how do you know that they aren't partners weapons who's sending them and where are these drones manufactured are you getting them from china does china have like some factory in hubei or Webei or wherever are they manufactured? where, where are you getting drones do you have domestic manufacturing Um, They're not from your quote-unquote partners who's making these drones. These are high-tech, sophisticated attacks that are being done on Russia. And the entire premises of this interview was that World War III is about ready to start. And yet, these guys who we're funding are sending missiles into Moscow with, most likely, American-made weapons. And the whole point of this exercise is to prevent World War III. So it doesn't sound like you're really preventing World War III if you're lobbying missiles and sending drones directly to Moscow, and your leader is out and out brazenly lying. Now, many of you may say, cool, you're naive. You know that you have to lie during war, you know, during... Gary Francis, Gary Powers, when he was caught over the Soviet Union, like, out and out lied, claimed that it was a weather balloon, out and out lied. So, of course, we expect the government to lie. But the whole point of the fourth branch of our country is an independent media. Scott Pelley was complicit. So, yeah, of course, Zelensky is a serial liar. And he has to lie, or he believes he has to lie to support his country. And that's that's fine. He can make that decision. But this is about Pelly and the incompetent people over at 60 Minutes who don't catch him in the lie, don't tell people that it's a lie. And of course, Zelensky is ordering these things. Watch the interview yourself and make up your own mind. These questions by Pelly, I bet you a million bucks they were probably pre-screened. So if you if if they were pre-screened was that disclosed? Scott Pelley is not a journalist, he's a propagandist. And if you're and if you really think this was independent and you're to form your opinion based upon the incompetent people at 60 minutes, you are deluding yourselves. The point of a journalist, and by the way, I think Scott Pelley should do the same approach to Russia. They should do the same approach to Biden and Blinken. That's the whole point of journalism. Is there the fourth estate? They're to question. They're to get facts. They're to provide nuance. As I said at the beginning of this podcast, in 1968, Walter Cronkite said, "It's and this was following the Tet Offensive, said, it's clear that we've lost. Am I sounding like Richard Nixon or Walter Cronkite. I'm trying to do a Walter Cronkite impersonation. friends. It's clear after the nearly billion dollars that we've spent over five years that we've lost the, or at the very least, it's a stalemate in Vietnam. We need to consider our policy. And that carried weight because at least at the time, journalists tried to be independent and not stooges and bitches for the um, Blinken-Biden security state. These people are some not nice people and our journalists are just bending over for them. They're, they're they're just they're not even they're not even trying to be objective. So friends, watch the interview yourself. There is virtually not one tough question that's given. They let Zelensky out and out why? They won't provide any context that a second grader could um, I, I'd say a first grader could do a better job than Pelly. Pelly. I'll just give you an example. You know what a, a first grader always asks is why? You know, like you're in first grade, you're like, why? Why is the sky blue? Why? Why are you in why are you launching missiles into Moscow? Why are you doing that? Why are you lying? Do you feel that it's necessary to lie to win? Now, again, if he had to, if that was a condition of the interview that you have to lob softball questions that should have been disclosed. Instead, it was not disclosed. So this, what it really amounts to, friends, is the whole premise of this is the claim for funding is that we're about ready to start World War III. If that's true, by the way, I agree that I don't think necessarily World War III, but the risk of a nuclear exchange is heightened and it nearly could have happened either on Putin's orders or in the situation where Russia collapsed, which is one of Biden's policy goals. And you all have all these loose nukes without any corresponding gain in security. So you know, if if Russia did go into El Paso, yeah, you, you got to confront Russia. If they started trying to attack Alaska, yeah, you risk nuclear exchange. But in that particular case. You are defending your territory. You have no other choice. Probably with the traditional NATO states, I I question whether even NATO as an entity even needs to exist anymore, um, given how much of a destabilizing force that it has been, and where it basically fails to keep up with its treaty obligations, where you have partners in the alliance that won't even pay the full 2% of their GDP for military expenditure. And none of this is pointed out in this particular episode of 60 Minutes. So, friends, I'm going to be continuing to question the underlying assumptions here. Um, I think the the issue with Biden and his friends is, and I think, you know, quite frankly, with most of the people at the New York Times, is they can't even have a debate. You have Russell Brand all of a sudden coming out with some non-liberal ideas. He gets calumnied. He gets slandered. You get the sound of freedom person. All of a sudden, he gets accused. These people are such losers that they cannot even have a debate. They cannot even ask basic questions. And I don't know if there's the opposite of an Emmy, but Pelley should get the op, whatever the for being bad journalism. This is horrible journalism. A freshman journalism major should watch this. You should you should have a class how not to become an agent of the security deep state and watch the Pelley interview. There's not one hard-hitting question of the entire interview. And unfortunately, that's exactly what it's mean. And by the way, I want to make sure that I make my position clear vis-a-vis the Ukraine. My whole underlying assumption here is we need a George Ball in the Vietnam War, one of the few people with courage who question the underlying um, uh, conditions or presumptions that led us into the Vietnam conflict. No one listening to him. I want institutions, I don't want them to be stooges for Vladimir Putin or Vladimir Zelensky. I want them to give us facts. I want them to provide us context and I want them to provide the truth. Now, if Biden's position is, is Jack Nicholson and a few good men, you can't handle the truth. Yeah, we lie. We serially lie. We lie about a lot of things. That's fine. That's the government does. They lie. Biden lies. The journalism point is to catch them in the lie, to stay that they're lying. And the question is, if that's their position, that they need to lie to win, how can we trust anything that they say? And this is just standing right in front of us, right in front of us. And so I'm going to continue to speak out on this. Um, This is something that you all need to make up your own mind, but I'm not going to be complicit, and I'm going to start my own little peace movement vis-a-vis the Ukraine, because I think it is horrible policy, and the people that are leading it are horribly incompetent. Blinken should go wash dishes at a a 7-Eleven. I think he would serve much greater purpose. By the way, dishwashing is important work, much more important. At least they're not contributing to world destruction like these incompetent people. So that's what I'm. That's what I'm really focused on today because I just can't. I can't let incompetence and lies go unnoticed. So that's what I'm trying to do with the Rocky Cast. I'm trying to share with you my various positions on various topics. So, friends, I am gonna do. Stay with me on this. I'm not always gonna do hard hitting episodes or exposes questioning Vladimir Zelensky. Or Scott Pelley, but because those guys are so incompetent, I have to offer my services because I can I can have basic logic and I can have give you basic historical context. So fear not, the New York Times won't do it, 60 Minutes won't do it, but Rocky Cast will get you up to date and help you think clearly about this particular issue. For now, we're gonna cover these topics. I do promise, for those of you who are waiting, I do promise an episode on dark chocolate i also the health benefits and i will give you my much awaited update on my 30-day experiment of rocking nearly every single day so friends you have so many different options i know a lot of days you just feel like you're getting blitzed with like your, your phone times most of it's just total bullshit well my rock my the rocky cast is not it's clear-eyed thinking it's the truth, as far as I can tell it. I don't lie to you. I tell the truth, and I question. That's what good journalists should do. That's a good podcast should offer, and it's one hundred percent authentic in terms of what I believe. So, infinite gratitude to you for actually tuning in of with your all the things you got on your agenda that you trust me enough to continue tuning into the Rocky Cast and continue to build this tiny but mighty audience. Keep growing this. Recommend it to your mom, your dad your cat, your your dog, people that hate you, people that love you, share the Rockney cast so we can grow this podcast. Thank you so much until next time you and I see each other on the Rockney cast.